Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. Can you believe it's the end of July, the final Monday of July? How can this be? Anyway, (laughs) I'm very excited today because we are going to have on New York Times bestselling author Kathy Reichs. If you have not read her books yet, she writes the Temperance Brennan books that the TV show Bones was based off of. And her 20th book, that's a real milestone, is coming out, or it just came out, and hopefully she is going to be here to chat about it. I don't see her on the blog talk dashboard yet, but hopefully she will get here, so I'm going to vamp until until she shows up. But anyway, I will read her bio so you can get to know her. Her first novel, Deja Dead, was published in 1997 and won the Ellis Award for Best First Novel and was an international bestseller. The Bone Code is the new book that just came out, and it's Kathy's 20th entry in her series featuring her forensic anthropologist, Temperance Brennan. Kathy was also a producer of the Fox Television long-running scripted drama, Bones, which is based on her work and her novels. And she is one of the very few forensic anthropologists who is certified by the American Board of Forensic Anthropology. And Kathy divides her time right now between Charlotte, North Carolina and Montreal, Quebec. And I did go ahead and put a link to her website. It's right there on Blog Talk. You can click it anytime, whether you're listening live or later. And also, she is on Twitter, and I put her Twitter handle on there. And without any further delay, I believe Kathy is here. Kathy, can you hear me? I can hear you. Hi, it's great to chat with you today. Are you in North Carolina or Canada today? Neither of the above. I am on a barrier (laughs) island of uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, exciting. All right. Are you taking some, some fun time celebrating the new book? Not exactly. Um, I'm at my beach house, the one that's kind of the template for the one in the book, uh, but I'm writing um, several hours every day. Oh, I love it. So there's going to be a 21st temperance novel then, right? There definitely will be. I just signed a contract for number 21 and number 22. Oh, exciting. You heard it here first, Book Likes listeners. <laughs> So do you want to tell everybody about the bone code and why they should run out and grab that one? Oh, because it's the most exciting and thrilling thriller ever written. <laughs> um, <laughs> what can I say? It's very timely, um, serendipitously yes. timely. Um, it starts out, the story starts out with um, our heroine heading to Charleston, South Carolina, to Isle of Palms, which is where I am, after a hurricane to help her friend who has had damage to her beach house. And she gets a call from the coroner asking her to help with two bodies have washed ashore in the hurricane inside a medical waste container. And she would like Tempe to help with the analysis because they're not in good shape. And as Tempe does that, she notices some very alarming similarities between these two victims and a case she worked on that was never resolved 15 years earlier in Quebec. 
Oh, and I know from reading the blurb about the book and everything that there's kind of an outbreak in your book, right? But you wrote this before COVID, right? For you, Clairvoyant? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, serendipitously timely, as I would refer to it. Um, yeah, it, uh, I read a little article about, um, so there is that. There is an, a flare-up, a hot spot of a, it's nasty. It's a flesh-eating contagion. It's a pathogen, and for some reason, it, all of a sudden, there's a, a, a spike in the number of cases uh, in the Charleston area. So that's one of the storylines. This idea for this book came from what we used to call in the writer's room for Bones, um, ripped from the headlines. I read a little story, probably online, about a Chinese doctor who had gone against all the ethical agreements among genetic researchers to not take our knowledge. The whole human genome has now been mapped. And we also have the tools now to modify the human genome. But everyone has agreed that we're not going to do that to create (laughs) designer babies. And yet this Chinese doctor did that. He altered the genomes of two unborn baby girls. So I read that and I thought, well, there's an interesting concept. What if someone took this knowledge and this technology and used it for nefarious purposes? So that's the main storyline in the book. That's fascinating. And you're in the science world, so you're, you know, reading about these things. Do you ever scare yourself writing these things down? (laughs) I have always said when people ask me, do you run into a lot of dangerous situations like your heroine or do you, you know, worry about being shot by a perpetrator or whatever? And my answer has always said, the thing I worry about are the tiny little buggers, the, the little germs in the autopsy right. room. And uh, yeah, and that's kind of the bad guy in this book. And, you know, I st- it takes a year to write a book for me. And it's a year in production. So when I started this book, it was way before COVID. It was way before we started worrying about pandemics and infectious pathogens, et cetera. So it was very timely. And, and when it came out, we were in the final editing stages. And my um, my editor suggested maybe I should go back in and put something in there to indicate it taking place in a post-pandemic world. So I did do that. There is an acknowledgement that COVID has come and gone. But oh, it's just okay. coincidental that, that, the, <laughs> that the subject matter deals with that, deals with vaccine production. There's, you know, a bit in there about vaccine manufacturing and things that turned out to be, uh, as I said, quite timely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were tapped into something. <laughs> I guess. <clears throat> so I wanted to ask you, how did you come up with, when you were coming up with the premise for your whole series, how did you come up with Tempe's name? Because Temperance isn't like a really popular name. Did you know someone with that name? What what drew you to that? Because I feel like that's a big part of her character. I did. I had a student. Years ago, I did a program called Semester at Sea and you go around the world on a ship for a university semester and students take classes. And I had a student named Tempe, 
but when I was creating the character, um, she's a you know an Irish Catholic girl from the south side of Chicago, so she had to have a formal baptismal name. So oh. I elongated Tempe into Temperance, and then Brennan, um, the Katie character, evolved as kind of a combination of my two daughters. My son's name is Brendan, so I wanted him to feel included. So the last name oh. Brendan. Ah, oh, I love it. <laughs> do do your kids like that they're immortalized? I think so. I think so. They were pretty, I don't know, condescending early on. They tip when I was writing my first book, and I, you know, I was teaching full time at university and commuting back and forth doing casework, and so every time I had a free moment, weekends, all summer, vacations, I'd close myself off in my office at home and they'd tiptoe around rolling their eyes saying mom's working on her novel. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. So, Right, right. Now you're a big deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now they're pretty happy. Right. Yeah, for sure. So that kind of taglines into the writing journey. Lots of our listeners love to hear, you know, how, how you started writing and you really, you had a whole career going in another direction. So why did you decide, you know, did an idea pop in your head or did you always want to be a writer? How did that all come to be? I really, no, I didn't. Um, I actually had two careers going. I was teaching full-time at university, and I was, you know, doing forensic casework in medical legal labs for the medical examiner, both in the Carolinas and in Quebec, in, in Montreal. I made full professor at the university, and uh, so I was free to do pretty much whatever I wanted to do, and um, I had just finished working on a serial murder case so I had a storyline just a core nugget for for a story and that had been resolved all through litigation and the perpetrator had been convicted of um, three first degree homicides so I you know I just time was right it was spring break of 1994 I decided I would give it a give it a shot and um, I did took two years to write the first book but I Mm -hmm. stuck with it and that worked out. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Did you have other friends who were professionals who had written books? Where did you decide, you know, that I, I think I'm going to write a book? I did. I had a colleague who was writing uh, Western romances, and they were going straight to, to paperback. But she was ma- mm-hmm. mass market paperback. Um, but she was making a nice little side income. Uh, to supplement a university professor is not all that well paid. So, and well. I had kids, you know, <laughs> heading, heading, yeah, uh, stunning, isn't it, to learn that. Right. I had kids heading to university, and they all wanted to go to private universities. So, um, you know, I thought, well, she's doing it, and um, maybe I can make a little money on the side. And those were part of the impetus. I also thought it would be it would be fun to write fiction. I'd never really tried fiction. And um, I just thought it would be a way to create a strong, independent, smart heroine, would be a way to empower women to some extent, and to introduce the world, my science, to a broader audience. I don't think anyone had heard of forensic anthropology back then. 
No, I I certainly hadn't, and I just thought the premise was fascinating, um, you know, digging, not to dig up the bones, but, you know, <laughs> looking to see what yeah. clues could actually be found from that was really fascinating. Yeah, just what can we tease from the bones, and the kinds of questions I address in my casework are identity, when we get a set of remains that we have no clue who it is. Um, how long has this person been dead? What was the cause or manner of death? Can we determine, you know, what happened to them? And then can we have, figure out what happened to their body afterwards? Were they buried? Did they end up in the water? What, you know, so addressing those questions, um, part of what I work on is criminal. Uh, well, no, that didn't come out right. Part of the cases <laughs> I work on are criminal in origin. Not all of them, certainly. Um, but then working with the investigating detectives and then ultimately testifying in court, that's, that's, and giving answers to families. You know, they, they want to know. The news may not be good, but, but they want to know when they have a missing number. So all of that I found very compelling. Yeah, and what was the journey like going from books to TV? Did it happen quickly, or how many books were already out before you signed, signed on for the Bones show? Huh. That's a good question. Um, we went on air in 2005. Uh, I, so there had to have been, uh, I'd have to count it up, six or seven books out already. Um, okay. I'd had several offers, but none of them was really the correct fit. But then when I met with the gentleman that became our executive producers, Hart Hansen and Barry Josephson, we all seemed to be thinking the same. Um, we, we wanted a character-based show. We didn't want to just have another police procedural. We wanted to create characters people would, would care about. Uh, we wanted to put humor into the show, as I do with my books. Um, and that's hard. That's, that's a delicate balance right. because you're dealing, with, mm-hmm, you're dealing with violent death every episode or every book. So how do you do that and not be offensive? Anyway, we just see, and they genuinely seem, seemed to want my input. So it seemed like the right fit. So I optioned the character and that it all happened very quickly after that. You know, you, you, you hope you'll get sent to, to script, to actually write a script, and we did. And then you hope your script gets sent to pilot, and you actually make a pilot, and we did. And then you hope your pilot will get picked up and actually go on the air, which we did. And then our back, you know, the back few episodes got picked up, and then season two and season three and um, 12 seasons we were on. Yeah. We are the longest-running scripted drama in the history of Fox. So we're pretty proud of that. Yeah, congratulations. And it was such a fantastic show. I was so sad when it was over, but they ended it really well too. It was it was just a really great great show. I I enjoyed it. And thank you. Were, how in, how involved did you get to be? You mentioned the writers room earlier. Did you get to help write scripts or how how involved were you? I did. I did. Um I read every one of the 246 scripts. Um, and then I wrote some. I would give notes, uh, mainly uh, on, on the science, to be sure the, the science was reasonable, was plausible. We pushed the envelope, right. of course. It's television. But to be sure, it was, it was plausible. Um, and then I did write, I did write um, several, several screenplays, which 
was really different from writing a novel, um, and I enjoyed that experience thoroughly. And do you feel like the show, because you were writing books at the same time, did the show influence the books at all? Did you feel that, you know, pull from that, or did you get ideas from the show that fell into the book? Or were they separate? Not really, because there was T.D. Tempe and Book Tempe, and they were different. T.D. Tempe was younger, uh, more socially awkward, um, in Washington, D.C., working at the Jeffersonian, um, which is a little different from the premise in the book. But the common premise was that this this, this strong woman, passionate about her work, committed to um, finding justice for the dead and also for the living who are left behind. So that's the common thread. Um, She works with Andrew Ryan in the book. She works with Celie Booth um, on a TV show. And I like that there were differences because when I did sit down to write, a book. I'm not impacted by TV Tempe. Um, that and people at first they had a little trouble with that. They wanted the character to be identical, and I would say, you know, think of it as a prequel. Think of it as T Tempe, the early years kind of thing. And um, <laughs> they liked that. They got, they, they got that. And then then once they got into the TV show, they they liked it. It was just more of Temperance Brennan. Right. So do you feel like the books are all happening before? what happened on the show, like she, for instance, I don't want to do spoilers, but on the show she had kids and things. So, I mean, is so do you feel yeah, like the books are happening before the show? No, I feel like the books are happening after the show, but oh, okay. there is that. I mean, some things are different and you just have to accept that. <laughs> That's right. Let the magic wash over you. There you go. So did you have cameos on the series? Did you have fun with that? Was that a neat experience? I did. I did. Um, Hart Hansen, our showrunner, suggested that I appear in an episode uh, for season two. And I I told him that wasn't my thing. I'm just not an on-camera kind of person. And he said, well, David Duchovny is directing. And I said, I am there. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to send... Oh yeah. <laughs> so I got spent two weeks. Yeah, not a chance. I got spent two weeks, you know, sitting between David Boreanaz and David Duchovny, which was not bad duty, I got to tell you. Right. Oh my gosh, the two Davids. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, now I'm sitting over here slightly jealous. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Are you still teaching and solving crimes while you're writing all these best-selling books? Not so much. Um, I still give public talks. Well, I did until last year, of course, and, you know, public events and lectures and things. But there came a point where I was writing a young adult book a year with my son, Brendan, the viral series. We did six of those. And I was writing a Temperance Brennan book every year. And I was writing a screenplay every year. So something had to give. So I really drew back from the casework and um, focused on the writing. And I hadn't been teaching university for a long time, many years. Okay. Okay. So now you're you're just writer, Kathy, right? Now I am just writer, just plain old writer. Nice. Very cool. 
And grandmother. Um, I'm suddenly a grandmother, so that takes up What? Some time. Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. And, How fun. I mean, yeah, I have six of them. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I have six of them between the ages of 5 and 11, so they're great ages. Yeah, for sure. And now you have a little bit of time you can you can spend with them. Yes, exactly. So I wanted to ask about the YA series. Is that still going, the Tori Brennan series, or is it finished? We did, Brendan and I did six, and then he dumped me. Um, he he signed his own contract. He moved on. He's done two series since. He did a series called Nemesis. It's Nemesis Genesis Chrysalis, which skews a little older than Tori Brennan. And then he did a middle grade series called The Dark Deep. Um, and I forget what he's working on now, like a zillion different things. So he has moved on in his own writing career. Well, I think that it's so cool that they used to roll their eyes at you for writing, and now your son is a professional <laughs> writer? What? Who, who knew correct. what they were doing, right, Mom? <laughs> well, both Brendan and my older daughter, Carrie, are attorneys. And neither one practices law, and they're both writers now. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So you had two lawyers, yeah. and now they're both writers. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. What does your daughter write? She writes contemporary women's literature. Um, wow. She took a break she, to, to manage the CEO corporation, but um, she's getting back now to full-time writing. So hopefully there will be one out in the near future. Wow. So it really is a family business now. Yeah, except for my middle daughter. She has a master's in nursing and teaches at Queen's University in the nursing program. Oh, she does a real job. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. And what hard work nurses have been doing the past two years. Yikes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are saving the world. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, do you see, I mean, you told us at the beginning that there's going to be two more Temperance Brennan books, but do you have other ideas lurking around that you want to dabble into? Do you have other books hidden in a drawer? I actually wrote uh, a short story for an anthology called Birds of Prey, Um, the International Thriller Writers Organization does not charge its members any dues. So Mm -hmm. in order to make money for the organization, periodically one of us edits an anthology and we all contribute a story to it. So this one is edited by Harlan Coben, and it's called Birds of Prey, and the central theme is each of the writers in their short story has to use some bird of prey. So, and they're all over the place, all different kinds of birds of prey. I think someone's using uh, a firebird, the car, actually. Anyway, um, <laughs> or the thunderbird. But, um, my story is called Owl, and the main character is named is Owl. And I like this character. I had fun creating it. And um, we'll see, you know, how this character is uh, received. And I might pursue that some. Oh, exciting. And when does the anthology come out? Our stories are due in September. I think it comes out in January. That's what they're shooting for. 
Okay, so everyone watch for that in January 2022. That could be the birth of a whole new series for you, maybe. Yeah, and if nothing else, it'll be fun reading these stories. For sure, yes, definitely. And I was going to ask you, um, because you have the background in science, do you have fun watching shows like CSI and obviously you were involved with Bones, or does it annoy you because you know how much of it is, is fiction? Well, it isn't just the science. It's, you know, how crime scene recovery would work, uh, how crime scene investigation works. My kids won't watch those shows with me, apparently. I'm always going, you can't do that. Or no way you could get extract someone's sweat from perfume or what. Yeah, so apparently I do take issue with some of it. You do some armchair coaching during CSI. <laughs> exactly. Or critiquing at least, yes. so what do you enjoy um watching when you're not you know busy critiquing their work are there are there certain shows that you think get it right that we should watch goodness i watch all over the map i don't just watch crime shows although my middle daughter the nurse and i do we watch all these old murder (laughs) documentaries (laughs) um i'm about well right now i'm watching nothing but the Olympics, of course. Um, And we're about to, yes, we're about to start season two of Ted Lasso, of course. (laughs) So (laughs) that was wonderful. And then, I don't know, we watch a lot of the old British uh, mysteries. Those are fun. I have heard from people that those are really good, and I have not dived into that yet. Mm -hmm. But you're the third person who has told me that they're really fantastic. Yeah, I have something called BritBox, and you get all of those British murder mysteries. Very cool. And who do you like to read? Who inspires you? Like when you read their books, you're like, "Mm, I need to go, (laughs) need to go write. Um, Do you have certain go-to writers that you enjoy reading? I, again, I'm all over the map. I always, when Michael Connolly comes out with a new Bosch, I do read that one <laughs> right away. Um, but the last few books, what have I read? I read uh, A Woman of No Importance, which was about a spy, an American spy, one of our most valuable assets in World War II in France. That was very good. I wrote, I read, um, colon, is it? Whitehead's um, The Nickel Boys, about this school down in Florida where they just excavated, some of my colleagues excavated the graveyard where a lot of these boys were buried. That was grim, but but very, very good. I think it won a National Book Award or something. What else have I read recently? Um, Right now I'm reading Hamnet, Hamnet, which is about uh, when his son died of the plague and how that impacted the family and his writing and so that's very interesting. Wow. I'll have to look for that because I love historicals like that, but I didn't even realize Shakespeare mm-hmm. had lost a child to the plague. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was so good. Good the, the um, schools with who are keep finding bodies of children, are these the kind of cases that you, that you would envision Tempe getting involved in? Because they're in the news a lot lately and it's super tragic. And I, I just wonder what's going to happen with, you know, all of these remains they keep finding at these old schools. 
Well, I, yeah, that's exactly. And they'll bring in, uh, hopefully, forensic anthropologists uh, to do the, do the excavating in those. Um, a colleague of mine just finished doing excavation in um, Tulsa in the cemetery where uh, many of the victims of the Tulsa massacre uh, were buried. Oh, wow. Um, I suspect they're going to begin excavations at some of the schools in Canada, some of these uh, right. schools where the indigenous children were sent. Yeah, so it's a very sad situation. Similar to, to the Nickel Boys, what the Nickel Boys book was about um, down in Florida. And do you think that with forensic anthropology and all the tools that they have available, do you think they're going to be able to find out what killed all these children? Or In some cases, yes. It'll just depend on what, what's preserved in the bones. Um, will they be able to identify all these little skeletons? That's going to be, a, you know, by name to actually place a right. name on them. That's going to be tough because so much time right. has passed. And they probably don't have family around anymore. Or the records may not have been kept very meticulously. They'll try. Right. That's heroic work. Um, We're running out of time, which is a bummer, but I did want to um, let everybody know to check out the bone code. But I also wanted to ask you how, how, because of social media, are you involved with your readers? Do you have a newsletter? Do you have, you know, a Facebook page? Where can they check for the latest updates? Just your website, or how should they do that? Well, I'm yeah, I'm on all the usual suspects, all the usual platforms. <laughs> um, Facebook, it's KathyWrights.com. Um, Instagram, uh, Twitter. What's the other one? And I have my own Facebook. I have my own website, kathyreichs.com. Yes, and everyone, I put a link to um, Kathy's website, but it has fantastic, you know, just it's a really great website with fun things to check inside the books, and she's got a blog. Anyway, go check it out. (laughs) Thanks so much for being with us today, Kathy. It was great to have you on, and good luck with the new books, and I can't wait to read them. Thank you so much. Have a good summer. You too. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.